Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Martin. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! Uh, we're closing out a, a series entitled, This Is My Year. And uh, as you watch that little video, um, we want 2020 uh, to be a different kind of year for you. Um, we're not talking about um, losing weight or eating better uh, or, or even uh, financial resolutions. Uh, we're talking even deeper than that. Uh, we want 2020 to, to be the year that you finally have a breakthrough uh, in your faith walk with God. Uh, we would like it to be a year of progressive growth for your faith. Um, not next year, not when I retire, not I'll get around to it, but, but right now, this year, 2020 is your year. And so we're closing out this series today, and, and to do that, I want to take you to the, the scripture that we start out every week in this series, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It's a very simple, well-known passage of scripture. Uh, Moses writes the revelation of, of the Lord here. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Jesus would actually quote this scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 22. And after he finishes quoting it, he says that, listen, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And so throughout the duration of this series, we looked at what it looks like to love God with all of our heart. Uh, and then last week, we looked at what it looks like to love God with all of our soul. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about what it looks like for us to love God with all of our might. Uh, some of your translations are not going to use the word might. They're going to use the word strength. And so we'll use those two words interchangeably today. Um, what does it look like to love the Lord your God with all of your might, with all of your strength? Well, I think uh, it means to love Him exceedingly, richly, lavishly, with reckless abandon out of simple devotion uh, to God our Father for what He's done for us. In, in a more practical sense, um, you can throw out all the cliches here to describe it. To love the Lord your God with all of your might means to give Him 110%. To go all out. To give it your best shot. If you fall down, to pick yourself up and, and keep moving forward. Uh, so this passage is not just referring to physical strength here. Uh, we just, to love Him with all the, the strength that we have. It, it doesn't simply mean the way you love the Lord your God with all of your might is to simply work out and begin to eat right. Although I would certainly encourage that, but you know as well as I do, there are plenty of people who are very healthy. There are plenty of people who eat kale smoothies and do hot yoga day after day. There are plenty of people who, who work out and take care of their bodies but they don't love Jesus. They don't even know Jesus. So we definitely want to paint with a broader brush here when we talk about the concept of loving God with all of our strength, with all of our might. I think what it means is this, is that we're committed to love Him with the things that make us strong. We're to love Him with our accomplishments, 
our finances, our influence, all of our tangible capabilities, with the way we act and begin to interact with people. We're to love him with our works, with our actions. And so if you remember, the, the first two weeks of this series, we talked about loving God with our heart, and then we talked about loving God with our soul, and that has to do with our core being from the inside out. Well, loving him with our might and our strength is actually from the outside in, with our physical strength, but also with our abilities to express that love to God. So what's the best way to go about this? If you were going to write this down on paper and you were going to explain to somebody what it looks like to love God with, with all of their might, with all of their strength, how would we go about doing this? Well, I want to take you to a, a passage of Scripture in the book of Leviticus. Okay, so we started in Deuteronomy, and now we're going to Leviticus. It's an exciting morning here. Maybe we'll throw in Numbers and Exodus, too, to, to, to top it all off. Um, so where we are, where we're going to land in just a second in the book of Leviticus is this portion of Scripture that we often just, we don't understand. We just kind of gloss over it because we, we don't really get it. This is God instructing Moses on how the tabernacle system is going to work. It was this tent where the Israelites would go and worship God before the temple was built. And in the Holy of Holies, God's Shekinah glory would be there. And it signified that he was in the midst of his people. Well, in the midst of how to set up that tabernacle, God is explaining the sacrificial system that he's set up. Uh, like pigeons and lambs and bulls and goats and, and sacrificing for, for different things. And Moses is still in charge of the nation of Israel, but he has this brother named Aaron who is going to be the priest of Israel. Not only Aaron, but his sons and their sons and their sons. He's setting up this, this priestly system here. All right, And in that, he's talking about regulations on sacrifice. Why to sacrifice, when to sacrifice, how to sacrifice. Uh, stay awake. I know it's the, this is the passage of Scripture where your eyes roll back into your head. Uh, Leviticus 8 is what I want to call your attention to, particularly verse 23. It says this, And he, Moses, killed it. The it was a, a ram, uh, a doll sheep. So he killed it, and Moses took some of the blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. All right, so I grew up in America, and, and I didn't grow up in the sacrificial system. I'm looking at that, and I'm going, that's, that's awkward. Like, that's weird. Like, you're rubbing blood all over, all over the priest in Israel. Like, what, what's going on here? Well, well, let me explain. After sacrificing the, the lamb of burnt offering, Moses would take some of the blood of the ram and put it on the ridge, the top of Aaron's right ear, so it would run down off of his lobe. And so you got a, a, a picture of that there. You can just pretend that's Aaron and that's Moses. Uh, after they put it on the, the crest of his right ear, they would then take blood and put on the thumb of his right hand. And after they did that, they would take blood and put on the big toe of his right foot. And so this ritual was repeated for Aaron, for Aaron's sons, and for all the priests 
uh, in the nation of Israel. You'll also find this account in Exodus 29 as well, if you'd like to, to read that at your leisure. And so these priests are to take blood from this innocent ram and put on their ears, their thumbs, and their toes. Now this is God's way of saying, hey, these people are consecrated. These people are holy. They are set apart. They are dedicated to God. These are the people that will model for you what it looks like to love God with all of your might. So keep that in the back of your mind, the priests getting blood put on their ears, thumbs, and toes. And then I want to fast forward to, to you today. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you are a follower of Christ, if you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb and you, and you worship Jesus, that you too are now a priest or a priestess in God's kingdom. That you, like the priest, have been set apart for God's work. That you are consecrated and you are dedicated to God. So Peter tells us this, right, in 1 Peter 2.9 when he says this, But you and me, all of us, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so just let me say this in passing, that's a powerful scripture. You know, whenever you feel down and out and your soul is like, you get punched in the soul and your soul tired and you don't feel like you're worth anything, I would encourage you to go there. Because God is just telling you, listen, you're chosen. I chose you. I, I love you. You're a royal priesthood. You're consecrated. You're set apart. You, you are a holy nation. You're my special possession. I read that and I'm like, wow. And so when people refer to this passage of Scripture, they often refer to it as the priesthood of all believers. That's you and that's me if you're bought by the blood of the Lamb. We are set apart for God or by God, for God, and to glorify God. So you go back to the passage in, in Levi where you've got these, this blood being applied to the priest, put it on their ear, put it on their thumb, put it on, on their toe. Uh, you might think, well, that is, that is awkward. That's, that's weird. But there is such deep meaning behind this. And I think this points to the answer of the question, how can I love God with all of my might? Well, I want to talk about this. I don't just want to simply say put blood on your ear, your thumb, and your toe, and, and we'll be done, right? Because think about it. If you were to come to my office tomorrow and, and say, hey, you know, I missed the sermon on uh, loving God with, with all of your might. Uh, explain to me how to do this. And I were to say to you, well, you know what? I just killed a deer. And so I'm going to smear some blood on your ear, some blood on your thumb, and some blood on your toe. God bless you. Now go. That would be weird, yeah? I hope so. Like for many of you, if it were me, I'd be like, it's time to look for a new church. I don't, I don't get this rubbing blood all over me. That sounds like a, like a cult, not, not a church. But I want you to understand, there's such beautiful imagery in the Old Testament that always points to the beautiful imagery of Christ in the New Testament. And, and, and the imagery here, I think, helps answer the question for us, 
what does it look like for me to love God with all of my might? So go back to Leviticus 8.23. Let me read it again. And he killed it. Moses took some blood, put it on the lobe of, his, of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And I want to remind you, 1 Peter 2.9, you're also a priest or a priestess. So envision yourself doing this. But the other thing I want you to notice is what side of the body was the blood always applied to? The right side. Didn't say the left foot, left hand. So if you're left-handed, I'm sorry. Uh, but on the right side, there's a reason for that. In the Bible, the right side is always a sign of power, of might, and of strength. So stay with me. In the context of, of how can we love God with our power, our might, and our strength, Think about your ear, your thumb, and your toe. Think about the fact that you too are a royal priesthood, that you have been set apart by God, for God, to glorify God. And so, how do I love God with all of my might? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, is it starts with the ear. And so the first point is this. Just like they put blood on the, on the priest of the ear, that signified that the priest would not only hear God, but the priest would also listen to God. You realize there's a difference between hearing and listening, right? If you're a parent, you know that. Your child will hear you, but they won't always listen to you. Or sometimes your boyfriend will hear you, but he won't always listen to you. All right, so point number one is the way we love God with all of our might is we love him with ears to hear and listen. I've said this numerous times. There's this phrase in the New Testament um, that is so underrated. Jesus uses it repeatedly, and he always uses it after he's teaching a major, transitional, pivotal, life-changing point or right before he's going to teach that point, and it's this phrase. He says to the collective audience, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, he uses that phrase eight different times in the, in the four Gospels. He also uses a phrase similar to this in the book of Revelation. Uh, the first few chapters of, of Revelation are red letter. It's Jesus speaking. And he uses the phrase, he who has an ear, let him hear, when he addresses all of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. This is a very important phrase to Jesus. And think about it. It's not that we don't have ears. Most of us have ears. It's that we don't always use them, particularly when God's speaking to us. And so Scripture has always placed a premium on hearing God's voice above everything else. And so what he's saying is, listen to be transformed. Listen to be changed. Listen for more than information, listen to gain revelation. And there's a difference between information and, and revelation. Information is just something we take in. Revelation is something revealed to us that leads to action. And so the, the great command that we've been studying for a month now um, from God through Moses to us, Deuteronomy 6.5 is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. But look at verse 4 before he says that. Hear, old Israel. That's, that's another way of saying, he or she who has ears, let him hear. The Lord your God is one. Love him with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. 
It starts by hearing. Proverbs 8.34 says this, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily by my gates, waiting beside my doors. Jesus urges us to listen to his voice and follow his voice. Listen like a sheep listening out for the shepherd. John 10, 3 through 5. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes before them. The sheep will follow him for they know his voice. You know, I have to ask myself, and I'm in the habit of asking myself that question a lot. Do I know your voice? I know you know my name. Jesus, you call me by name. Am I hearing your voice? Am I listening and obeying your voice? He says, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And so loving God with, with all of our might begins with our ears. And I want you to understand something crystal clear this morning. You cannot truly, fully love God and not listen to Him. You can't love God with all of your core being, with all of your might, and ignore Him and not listen to Him. So many people claim to love God, but they're just going to be disobedient. They're going to do what they want to do. I'm hearing you, but I'm not listening to you. Jesus makes it crystal clear in John 14, 15 when he says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Some of your translations are going to use a word that we're afraid to use in churches anymore. You will obey my commandments. In other words, you will not only hear me, you will listen to me. I don't know how you get any more direct than that. Uh, when you were a child... If you went to junior church or, or, or kids' church, you may remember singing a song that had a course that, that went like this. The wise man built his house upon the rock. How many of you remember singing that? I think our kids and e-kids still sing it uh, from time to time as well. All right, the rains came down and the floods came up. I'm not going to sing. All right, but you, you, you know the song. Okay, well, that song is actually taken scripturally from a parable of the gospel where Jesus is explaining the importance of building our lives, our Christian lives, on this firm foundation. Okay, and I want to read this because I don't want you to miss this here. Look at Matthew 7, picking up in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words, okay, that's not the operative phrase here. It's everyone who hears these words and does them. It's not just hearing, it's hearing and doing. Everyone who hears these words and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds beat and blew on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And so the lesson's quite simple, right? The wise person is obedient to the word of God. He or she chooses to build their life on hearing and doing the will of God. When trials and temptations assault them, as they will for all of us, they do not fall. They're secure because their foundation is solid. Now, what makes the foundation solid? What makes the rock the rock that they built the house on? Well, I think it's 
not hearing the word of God, but Jesus says, he who hears and does will be like the wise man. Being obedient to the word of God is the solid foundation. You, you tracking with that? You understand that? Right? Well, let's continue. Because I was reading this scripture last year and just in my personal devotional time, and I've read it thousands of times, and it just kind of jumped off of the page, verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine, just like the wise man, they both heard these words. But what did the wise man do? Heard and obeyed them or did them. But look at verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. I don't know about you, but I find myself in seasons like that from time to time, right? I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not going to do it. Everyone who hears these words and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built their house on the sand. And the rains came down and the floods came up, right? And the winds blew against the house and it fell and was great the fall of it. I'd always focused on the wise man and I miss the foolish person because I've always thought I was a wise man. But I look at that passage of Scripture, and sometimes I hear the Word of God, and I disobey it, and I realize I'm being foolish. Everyone who hears these words and does not do them is like the foolish man. So to love God with all of our might, with all of our strengths, begins with our ears. We hear and obey the Word of God. Well, in that Levitical passage, after they put blood on the ear, they put blood on, on the priest's thumb. This is point number two on how to love God with all of our might. We love him with what our hands find us doing, what we do with our hands. I mean, you can do some really good things with your hands, and you can do some really bad things with your hands, right? We're to serve the Lord diligently, being his hands extended to the world. I mean, we, we can love him with our hands, with all of our might, simply by giving a cup of cold water to anyone in need. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cold cup of water, because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And so we're the extension, the extended hands of Jesus are our hands. And so we're to love God by feeding the poor, by laying hands on the sick, by lifting our hands in worship, by playing an instrument, by working in, with excellence in the, the, the ministries we volunteer for, by finding people at work who need something and just say, hey, you know, I, I got this for you, or I just want to let you know I'm, I'm praying for you, just showing the kindness and compassion. Our hands serve this major purpose in loving God with all of our strength. Because indeed, scripturally, biblically speaking, our hands are the extended hands of Jesus. And, and so it's by our works. Our works don't save us. They prove that we are saved. We're not saved by works. We're saved unto works. Our actions. Many, many years ago, way before 9-11, uh, there was a group of salesmen who went to a, a regional sales convention in Chicago and they were supposed to come home on Christmas Eve. Well, they all promised their wives, this is even before cell phones, that, hey, we, we will be home in time for, for dinner on Christmas Eve. 
Well, Christmas Eve morning, they were in a rush. They had their tickets and their, their luggage and their briefcases, uh, and they were running to, to get to their flight, and one of the salesmen inadvertently kicked over a table that held this huge display of apples. And man, apples went everywhere. They were all over the airport floor, and they didn't stop. They didn't look back. They all managed to reach the plane just before they were having last call to board. And one man paused, and he took a deep breath, and he told his friends, listen, when you get home, call my wife and tell her that I'm taking... I'm taking another flight. I'm, I'm going to be delayed. Then he returned to the terminal where the apples were all over the terminal floor. And he was really glad that he did. Because the apple table display belonged to a 16-year-old girl who was totally blind. She was softly crying, tears running down her cheeks in, frust in frustration at the same time not being able to see, hopelessly groping for her spilled produce. The crowd swirled around her. Uh, no one took time to, to, to give her a second look to help her. And so the salesman knelt down on the floor and he gathered up all the apples and he put them on the table and he helped organize her display. And when he did this, he noticed that many of the apples had become bruised and battered, so he set them aside in another basket. And he, when he finished, he pulled out his wallet and he gave the girl $40 and said, hey, take this for the, for the apples I damaged. Are, are you okay? And she nodded through her tears and he continued, listen, I hope we didn't spoil your day too badly. Well, as he started to walk away, the bewildered, bewildered blind girl called out to him, Mr., and he paused and turned back and looked into those blind eyes. And she continued, Mr., are, are you Jesus? He stopped in mid-stride and he began to wonder. So he gently went back over to her and he said, no, I'm nothing like Jesus. He is good and kind and caring. He would have never even bumped into your display in the first place. The girl gently nodded and she said, well, I, I only asked you this because I prayed for Jesus to help me gather these apples when they got knocked over. And he sent you to help me. So you must be like him. Only he who knows his will does his will. Then he slowly made his way to a later flight with the question burning and bouncing about his soul. Are you Jesus? Do people mistake you for Jesus? That should be our destiny, yeah? Scripture tells us to be more like Jesus. Scripture says, be holy because I am holy. Scripture talks about the principle of sanctification. Each day I'm more like and closer to Jesus. That is our destiny, is it not? To be so much like Jesus that people cannot tell the difference as we live and we interact with a world that's blind to his love, his life, and his grace. And so it begs us to ask this question, how am I serving God with my hands, with my actions? How am I serving God at, at, at the church that I love and I worship with my talents? How am I serving God with my community, in my neighborhood? with my coworkers, with my classmates, with my friends, with my families? How am I being the extended hands 
of Jesus. So we love him with ears to hear and obey. We love him with what we find our hands to do. And then number three, they put the the blood on the big toe of the priest. That signifies that we're to love him with feet to go. So the blood was applied to the uh, big toe of the priest to signify that he would walk with God. And it signifies that we will walk with God. In other words, the Christian life isn't this sprint. Say this prayer, get baptized, boom. It is not a sprint. It is, it is this lifelong marathon where our feet take on his journey in life. And you know, where our feet take on his journey says a lot about how we love the Lord. I think Jesus laid it all out in his commission before his ascension when he said simply this, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. You see, the, the Great Commission is all about going. When we go and serve, when we go to church, when we go to a friend in need, when we go the extra mile for someone, we're loving him with all of our strength. We're being led by the Spirit. And if you're led by the Spirit in your life, I'm going to tell you something. God will lead you to some absolutely amazing, divine, and terrifying places. Absolutely. If you let the Spirit lead you, it's going to lead you in some places that are uncomfortable. And so the priest putting blood on their feet signifying that they're going to walk with God in their life. Well, think about it. When we become followers of Christ, we have been commissioned. We have been vowed to walk with God. I do the grocery shopping at our house uh, most of the time. And and so if I'm standing in line at uh, Ingalls or Kroger or Publix or or wherever I am that day, um, they have those magazines like the Inquirer, and you have all these pictures of, of Hollywood couples, right? And they, you'll see one week, so-and-so got married, and then the next week I'll buy groceries, so-and-so are already divorced. You, you know, you see those Hollywood marriages that don't last very long. And I often look at those, and I wonder, what exactly are those people looking for in their marriage, in these Hollywood marriages? Do they understand that it's a commitment? Do they understand that feelings will come and go? And that you must get on with the very real business of loving a person with all that means and all that entails. Well, I think the same can be said about our relationship with God. Yeah? There are times when you feel great joy. You feel great passion. You feel great excitement. It's easy to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But then there are times when you don't feel like it. There are times when you say, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. We make excuses. I would submit to you that's the time we need to go more than any. To to pick ourselves up. To to be recommissioned. To walk in step with our Lord. We walk with God through it all. One of my favorite prophets in the Old Testament is Amos. Amos was this fig farmer. And uh, I want to do a character study on him because he was a very interesting guy. But uh, we we don't have time to do that today. Um, Amos 3.3, I just want to read you what he wrote. He says, he actually doesn't say, he asks the question, do two walk together unless they've agreed to meet? Now, what's interesting is, is in the original language there, the word together 
it paints this word picture of two people moving in rhythm together. So think of military, think cadence, left, I wasn't in the military, left, right, left, right. In cadence, step, walking together with God. But, but here's, here's where we have flawed logic and here's what I want us to understand this morning. Walking together with God, walking in rhythm with God, walking in cadence with God is not about God getting into rhythm with you, your wants, your needs, your desires, your life. It's about us getting ourselves into rhythm with the step of God. That's what it means to walk with God. To lust after the things God lusts after. To chase after the things that God chases after. To, to adore the things that God adores. Walking together in step. And so if your feet are walking in rhythm with God, let me say this again. Oftentimes he will lead you to places that you think you would never go. He may lead you into conversations that are uncomfortable that you would never have unless you were walking by the Spirit in step, in rhythm with God. I became a Christian when I was almost 17 years old. And when I began my faith walk with God, first of all, I never imagined I'd be a preacher. I'd be the last person that'd be nominated for that job. If you knew me then, you'd know why. But I never thought when I began my walk with God that I would end up in places like the Czech Republic. Like the Ukraine in the middle of a cow field preaching the gospel. Like Ecuador. Like the inner city Cincinnati. Like Sholo, Arizona, ministering to the Native American people there. To be honest with you, when I began my faith walk with God, I didn't know, I'd never been to Georgia. I didn't have any idea about Atlanta, Georgia. I never thought in a million years I would be a preacher at a church in the deep south. And here I am. To your dismay, some of you. <laughs> I mean, one of the most life-altering moments for me, and, and you know, we use that, I don't, I don't want to be dramatic, but I'm, 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 all the drama you can think, this is not, this was a life-altering moment for me, happened in a wheat field in the Ukraine on the other side of the world. That's where I was spit out of the mouth of the fish, so to say, because my first ministry was a disaster. The preacher slept with the secretary, the church split. It was awful. And I said, this is, I don't want any part of this. And so I was on this run from God, this Jonah moment, but I did go on this mission trip with athletes in action. And I'm sitting in the middle of the field trying to get my step and my rhythm back with God. And that's where I made the decision, you know what, I'm going to give up education and I need to be back in ministry. And a year and a half later, I was at this little country church called East Paulding Christian Church as the student minister. Now it's called Elevate. 18 years later, here I am. Now listen, that would have never happened if I had not let God lead me here. If I had not agreed to follow him by walking with him in faith. And here's the weird thing. I lived in Powder Springs, but God had to take me all the way to the Ukraine to reassign me to Hiram. Isn't that crazy? God will do that. 
Think about that. So how do we love the Lord our God with all of our might? With ears to hear and obey. With hands to do the work of God in worship and in our service. And with feet to go where he leads us to go. Deuteronomy 6.5 You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Psalm chapter 84 verse 2 is one of my favorite passages of scripture. I made the joke during the 9 o'clock service, like every, I say that about every passage, so I just like the Bible. Um, but Psalm 84 2, I like it because in a roundabout way, it's saying the same thing that Deuteronomy 6 5 is saying, but I just identify with it a little bit better. The psalmist writes this, my soul longs, yes, faints for the court, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. I love that because the, the writer paints this picture of a longing, so my soul longs, yes, faints. Love the Lord your God with all of your soul. My heart sings for joy. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. My flesh, my body, my physical being sings for joy to the living God. Love the Lord your God with all of your might. 2020, man, is the first month is already over. Just, you know, it is. Today's February 1st, right? Second. Well, I'm, you should know that. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Make the most of it. This could be your year. But I want you to understand something. It starts with you. I can't preach hard enough. Will can't lead songs deep enough to transform you. The change begins with you. There's an old story that simply says this. Once upon a time, a man set out to change the world. Before long, he discovered that the world was far too big for one person to change. So he decided to change his country. But crooked politicians and special interest groups unfortunately thwarted his efforts. So he decided he would change his neighborhood. But his neighbors simply closed their doors and shut their windows. So he decided to change his family. Instead of changing... His children rebelled. His wife threatened a divorce. Things only got worse. Finally, the man decided to change himself. And when he did that, he changed the world. You see, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might starts with you. God is here waiting to walk in rhythm with you, waiting to put his arms around you. He indeed loves you with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might. And he proved that love by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. Deuteronomy 6.5, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might.
We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.